0: this morning i 'm going to finish up a series that Mark started for me last week, which by the way, I think Mark did an awesome job didn't he starting kicking that series off today I want to talk to you about i 'm um, going to talk to you about giving i 'm going to talk to you about tithing i 'll just tell you right up front where it is and I want to just say I just want to say a few things before we jump into this thing because there 's nothing much more um, for a pastor or for a leader of a church there 's not much more of a subject that is maybe hard to talk about or you get as much pushback because people, when you start messing with people's kids and you start messing with people's money, you get lots of pushback, right? And so I understand where you guys are coming from. I've been there. I am there. there. Here's my challenge for you this morning. Is would you, for the next 30 minutes, just give me the courtesy of listening with an open mind? And some of you are already there. Some of you are already going to be clapping your hands. You're going to be jumping up and down and saying, he's right on. I believe everything that he's saying. I believe the way he's pulling scripture out is exactly where it needs to be. Others of you are going to push back a little bit, and it's okay. You don't have to agree. But I would would like for you to just listen with an open mind and pray this prayer. God, would you show me? Would you help me to understand this principle? If it is a principle, would you at least just have an open mind as we walk through this? And here's what I want to tell you guys, and most of you have heard this before. And here's why I think it's important that we talk about finances. First of all, most of you, I don't know what the stats are, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, but the average American an uh, average American spends how many hours a week watching television? It's enormous. Three hours a day, is, I think, is something like the average. So the average American is watching, let's say, 10 to 15 hours a day watching television. And do you know what is on television every six minutes? Every six minutes on television is a commercial, and their sole purpose in a commercial is to tell you how to spend your money. That's what they're doing. So every time you turn on the TV, just remember that you're opening yourself up to people from the outside world to influence you and tell you how to spend your money, where to spend it, and why you ought to spend it. So you're bombarded daily with instructions how to spend your money. Here's another reason we have to talk about It's because when you go through the Gospels and you look just at Jesus, just at Jesus' teachings— in his parables and what he talked about, the subject that Jesus taught on more than any other subject was our finances and our personal possessions. And so if Jesus talked about it, we must have to talk, to talk about it in our churches. It's an important thing. I heard a guy say this not too long ago, that our finances, our personal possessions, the things that we own, may be the biggest spiritual fight or the biggest spiritual obstacle in our lives. And by the way, people respond when we talk to it. I believe that's true. The way I respond, think about how much of your life consists and how many hours a week and how much effort goes into you making a living, paying for your house, paying for your cars, paying for your clothes, paying for whatever it is. It's enormous. It's what drives us. It's what we do. So we need to talk about it. And Scripture has a lot to say about it, whether we like it or not. I don't know how many of you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I don't know how many of you, if I were to ask you, are you rich, would raise your hands. Most of us initially would not raise our hands, right? Most of us here sitting here today would say, I'm not rich. I might have, we might, some of us say I'm blessed, but very few of us would say I'm rich, why don't we, I want to remind you of something, and I know some of you have heard this before. Is it, it depends on who you compare yourself with. Why do we, as Americans and as Christians, compare ourselves to just each other? Or the guy down the street, or the guy in that other subdivision, or this guy that's driving the Lexus? Here's what we need to understand, and this, is, this, is, this blows my mind if you're here today and you bring in between 40 or you bring in somewhere around 40 to 45 thousand dollars a year you are in the top 1% of wage earners in the world the top 1% that should get our attention and so when we ask the question of almost all of us here today are you rich, all of us would have to raise our hands. Even if you're below 40000 even if you're at twenty five or $30,000 a year, which, by the way, the poverty level in the United States is what? $22,000 annual income, something like that? By world stand- standards, even the people that live in poverty in the United States are rich, are in the top 5% of wage earners in the United States. Do you guys ever watch Stossel? Is his name Stossel that's on Fox News? I watched him last night a little bit. It was just funny because he was talking about this very issue. And he was going around our country interviewing poor people. People that were on food stamps. People that were in lines at food pantries. People that would be living underneath the poverty level. And here's what he found out is that a huge majority of people that are living in poverty in our country have a television with at least 100 channels, have a cell phone, 65% of them, their families own two cell phones, 78% of them have air conditioning, 80-some percent of them have a refrigerator, 65% of them own a vehicle. And I'm not beating up on people like that. All I'm trying to get you to understand is we are rich we're rich we're a rich nation and you're rich by world standards, standards you're filthy rich in fact most of us a lot of us if you would talk to people in a third world country and they would find out that your family owned two cars Or three cars. Not only do you own a car or two cars or three cars, you have a house to park your car in. Some of you changed clothes several times today before you came to church, right? And guess what? You've got a room to put your clothes in. The majority of people across the world have one or two sets of clothes. We are rich people. We're a wealthy nation, a wealthy country. We are blessed beyond comprehension. It is so easy for us to slide into this thing. It's so easy easy for us to slide into this deal where man the economy is terrible and it's not like it was 5 years ago and I'm just hurting and we can't pay Look, I understand all that. But it's not because you're you're not rich. It's not because We don't have means. Here's another stat that I found out this week as I was studying for this. And and here's, listen, I want you guys to understand something. I'm not trying to guilt anybody. The last thing I want is for us to feel guilty. I want us to leave this place thankful. Here's some other stuff that I found out this week in the last couple weeks as I was getting ready for this. As studies have shown that the more a person has, the less they give. In other words, most of us have this, has this thought process that if I could earn 10000 more, or if I could earn 20000 more, or if I could double my income, then I could give like actually I want to give. Well, studies have shown that as we earn more, we don't give more, we spend more. Because we very seldom get a bonus or we very seldom get a raise at our work. And our first thought is, or I should say, our first thought never is, man, now I can give more. What's our first thought? Now we can buy that car. Now we can go on this trip. Now we can go on that vacation. Now we can do this. I'm not saying any of that stuff is wrong. But stats have found that as we make more, we don't give more. We actually give less. Here's a staggering Stat that I found last week. And I already posted it on Facebook and some of you have, have read it. But it just blew me away because I had no idea that it was this bad. Here's what they found by studying money and I don't know how they figure this stuff out. This was a number of years ago. But worldwide for Christians, I forget what the exact numbers are, but worldwide Christians have, have given or give 1.8% of their income to their church or to, to not just their church, but to anything ministry related, not other charities that are not ministries, but just ministry related god 's work or god's house, one point eight percent worldwide, and then they said they came to the states and they figured out what what does American Christians give, and guess what? American Christians give one point seven percent, less than two percent, actually a little bit less than worldwide giving as for Christians. And by far, we are the richest, most blessed group of Christians in the world, and yet we give less. You know what Jesus says about rich people? And since we now know that we're rich... You know what Jesus said about rich people? You know what he said about me and what he said about you? And I'm just telling you what Jesus said. Don't beat me up. Jesus said it is as hard or as difficult for a rich person to enter into heaven as it is for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. You ever think about that? You know what we do when we hear that verse? We think, yeah, you know what, that mm multi-millionaire you're gonna have a hard time right we categorize now i just want to challenge you just just to think about that for a second you're rich and jesus said it is as hard for you it is as hard for me to enter into heaven because i am rich as it is for a camel to go through an eye of a needle The good news is, is that all things are possible through God. But that verse still ought to get our attention. And I think what Jesus was saying again there was he was saying, listen, the biggest distraction, the biggest obstacle, one of the biggest obstacles, one of the biggest things you're going to have to deal with as a follower of mine is your possessions and your finances. There's not going to be much, anything else that's going to be bigger, that's going to pull your heart that's going to take your affections, that's going to make you distracted, that's going to pull you away from what I want, than your finances and your personal possessions. So then you could ask the question, and now we're going to get into the outline, and I know I'm going to have to move through this. Why did he make us rich? Why did he place us here as his people and bless us and make us rich, and the answer can be found obviously in Scripture, Second Corinthians nine eleven. Here's why. He said, "You will be made rich in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion, not just every once in a while." See this. This is the Bible. So that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. In other words, he's saying, here's why I'm going to make you rich as my people. So that you can be generous, so that you can give, so that people, when they see you, are thankful. So that when people see you, they say, that guy is a follower of Christ, and I am thankful for him because he is a generous person. That's why he made us rich. He didn't make us rich to have more, to buy more, to live higher. He made us rich to give more. Bottom line. Here's what I want you to remember this morning. If you don't remember anything else, maybe at least remember this phrase in your outline. Because I have more, I will give more. Because I have more... I will give more. How can I learn to give more? How can I learn to give more? And again, we have to teach ourselves how to give more because our natural inclination is not to give for most of us. Most of us have a selfish nature. Most of us want to hold on to. You know, with the youth, a couple week and a half ago, we were talking through some of this stuff and I gave them a whole bunch of verses and I sent them off in little groups and I said, come back and explain these verses and come up with some stuff. And one of them came back, I don't remember which one, and said, this whole thing about giving is kind of like this. That if you walk around with life with all of your money, all of your things, and you're just hanging on to them, Right? You're just hanging on to them and you're just kind of closed-fisted and everything you hold tight and everything you just... You're not generous. You don't understand that you've been rich. You've been made rich to give. Everything is yours. You're just hoarding it. That as you hold everything tight. Not only is it impossible to give, it's also impossible to receive. You get that? Isn't that a great illustration? You hold on to things and you're closed-fisted and you pull everything tight. Not only are you not giving, not only are you not sharing of your wealth, of your riches, it's also impossible for you to receive. So you have exactly what you have. But how do we learn to give more? Because our selfish nature goes exactly against it. You know, what do your kids do if you've got three kids in the back seat, and you go through McDonald's and you get... A 10-piece nugget or a six-piece nugget or you have one thing of fries not too many families have kids right that just their nature is to share Have you guys ever had a kid that as soon as they were born as they're two three years old they're just the most sharing thing in the world i mean they just distribute and they'll do without and they'll just give Uh uh-uh right Our kids aren't like that. They're born with a selfish nature. Even if they're completely full, they still don't want to share the fries. They still don't want to share the nuggets. So how do we learn to give more? We must be intentional givers. We must be intentional about it because it is never going to come natural. Actually, that comes, maybe that grows as we give intentionally, but we must be intentional givers. Give intentionally. Second Corinthians 9, this is an amazing verse, important verse. Each man, that's, his, that's every one of us, each of us, individually, should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, not out of guilt, not out of somebody beating them up, but should give what he has decided in his heart. For God loves a cheerful giver. Here's what we ought to do. We ought to seek God. We ought to pray. We ought to be intentional. And there's so many directions that I'd love to go with this year. And, and I can't fit it all in. I've had to cut so much of this content out. But I just want to say this about being intentional. Um, even for those of you that are tithers, and you give. And I'm not into prosperity gospel at all. And don't leave this place and, 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 and say that Eric said that if you give $100, you're going to receive $100 back. But would you study Scripture? Would you look at what it says in Scripture? And all through Scripture, even in the Old Testament, God tells his people that if you do this, if you do this, this is what you receive. The disciples one day were complaining to Jesus, and they were saying, we've given up everything to follow you. We've walked away from our families. We've walked away from our careers. We've given up so much, and Jesus stops them, and he says, yep, you know what? You have given up a lot, but what you need to understand is you will receive back a hundredfold what you have given up. And for some reason, when we read these verses, in Malachi, it talks about that if you give, if you tithe, I'm going to open up the floodgates of heaven, and I'm going to bless you so much that you're not going to be able to store it all. You're not even going to be able to handle it. And yet we read all these scriptures, and that's just scratching the surface. We read all of those scriptures, and we say, well... Not sure that's what it means. I'm just not, you know, and we just kind of, like listen, when you give intentionally, don't just, not only give intentionally where you give it, give it intentionally and wrap it with expectation. Give that gift and wrap it with prayer and say, God, I'm going to claim your verses and I'm going to claim your word that when I give in your name and when I give cheerfully and I don't give out a guilt that you're going to give back. And see, I know how that all pushes back. Like, man, you know, don't don't we just give without, you know, without expectation? I'd say, you know what? Maybe some of us believe in tithing and we don't believe in reaping. Maybe some of us believe in sowing, but we don't believe in reaping. You would never plant a seed in your garden without expectation of it growing and reproducing. You would never plant a corn seed and, and plant it and water it and not expect it to grow and give you back way more than you ever put in the ground. So why would we give back when Scripture is clear without wrapping it with with expectation? Give intentionally. Give with intent. Give with expectation. We must be intentional. That's how we train ourselves to be better givers. Wrap it in prayer. Give to where it it goes into good work. I will intentionally, number one, return to God what belongs to God. Here's where we start giving intentionally. I will return to God what already belongs to God. Look at this here. Leviticus 27 verse 30. It says a tithe, and I want you to stop right there. You know what a tithe literally is is 10 percent. That's what tithe means. It means 10 percent. A tithe of everything, I will a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Malachi three, verse ten, the first part of this verse says, "Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house." God's talking, and all of the scholars agree. It's talking about His church, talking about His bride here. Um. And I want to I just stop here for a second because I know there's all kinds of pushback about the whole tithing thing. I sense it. I feel it. I know there's pushback and I know there's, there's different opinions and there's kind of different things on this and, and I just want to give you my opinion. And by the way, I'm right. Okay? No, I didn't mean that. Um, but you hear all kinds of things. Well, tithing was an Old Testament law. And we're not no longer under the law. We're under the law of grace. And so no longer does God expect us to tithe. Um, And I'm not going to go all into that because we could spend the whole morning on that. But I just want want you to know it was not an Old Testament law. It was not under the law. The principle of the tithe started in Genesis 2. It started way in the beginning. Abraham... all through Scripture, all through the Old Testament. Tithing was never so much a law as it was a principle. There was a principle in the very beginning of the firstborn. God gave the instruction. He said, everything that is firstborn that is clean, you must sacrifice and give back to me because whatever is first is mine. That's what God was saying. And everything that is firstborn that is unclean must be redeemed by an animal that is clean. And that whole theme went all through the Old Testament. All through the Old Testament. It had nothing to do with the Levitical law. It had nothing to do with the law of Moses. It had to do with a principle. And God always followed it up. All through Scripture, God followed up. And He said, if you give me the first, if you give me the first fruits, not the leftovers, if you give it to me First, the first part, the firstborn, the first fruit, I will bless you. And by the way, here's another thing that I learned, and this is amazing. I don't know what you guys think of when you think of as blessed. But you know what blessed really means in in Scripture when it's talking about blessed? Blessed means that you have supernatural power working for you. You get that? Blessed means you have supernatural power working for you. And cursed, when it talks about this in Malachi, it says when you give back to God, that you will be blessed. And when you don't, you're stealing from God. And not only will you not be blessed, you will be cursed. Cursed means exactly the opposite. It means you will have supernatural power working against you. So to me, it's pretty clear. Would I rather choose supernatural power working in favor of me, or would I say, and I don't don't need that, I would rather have supernatural power working against me? Because that's exactly what it says in Malachi. And by the way, you know what God says immediately after he gives these instructions in Malachi? He says, and I never change. Not only is it all through the Old Testament and as a principle, the New Testament speaks of it. Jesus at one point is talking to the Pharisees and he gets on them. He scolds them, right? And they're so meticulous about how they tithe and they're so meticulous about these things. And Jesus, Jesus looks at him and says, you guys are ridiculous. You're so meticulous how you tithe. And then he says this. And he says, you should tithe. In other words, he didn't say, "Don't worry about it." He said, "What you're doing is right. You do need to tithe, but there's some other things that you need to worry about as well." The Old Testament never ended the principle. In fact, the old the New Testament, I mean, the New Testament never ended the principle or the law. In fact, the New Testament is a picture of the tithe. It's a picture of us all being unclean, and Jesus, the spotless lamb, Redeeming us. In essence, if you want to talk more about it, it was God's tithe to humanity. But we must return to God what is God. Here's the other thing this is kind of a bold statement, but it's true. I've never talked to a person that ties. How should I say this? Every person that ties that I've talked to. Every time without exception will say, I am blessed. Every time. And do you know what? When I talk to a person that does not tithe, do you know what their response almost always is? I can't afford to tithe. I want you to just think about those two responses. Tithers will say every time, I'm blessed. And a non-tither will almost say every time, I can't afford to tithe. What does that tell you? Why do we tithe? Why do we put God first? Or why do we tithe? Why do we return to God every why do we return to God what belongs to Him already? And here's why is because tithing teaches me to put God first. Tithing teaches me to put God first. Deuteronomy talks about this. It says in in Deuteronomy 14, verse 23, spells it out. It says, The purpose of tithing, here's why, is to teach you, is to teach me to always put God first in our lives. That's why. It's not because God needs your money, it's not because He's short on resources. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. That's why when we give the first, you don't give the leftovers. You give the first 10% or whatever it might be for you. And you're just reckoning. You're saying, God, you're first. I'm going to trust you. I don't even know if I can pay all the bills. I'm not sure about how this is all going to work out. But you're first. I'm going to trust you with the remaining 90%. And in essence, here's what you're saying. God, I believe that my 90% with supernatural favor is going to go further than 100% with supernatural working against me. God, you're first. Putting God first. The other thing is, is tithing increases my faith in God, like I just said. Tithing increases my faith in God. This is an amazing verse. The end of verse 10 in Malachi. God tells us to give back to him, and then he says this. He says, test me in this. Test me. I think, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, this is the only place in Scripture where God says and gives us permission to test him. He says, you can test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it, that you, you will not have room enough for it. See, giving the first 10% takes faith. And when God comes through, it grows your faith. Now I'm, I'm going to do this, and you guys might think I'm crazy, and you might think I, you know he's off his rocker, but I'm just going to say this. I don't know where, where you guys are in tithing. But if you attend here and you don't tithe, And you want to take this verse literal? And you're going to say, you know what? I'd love to test God on that. Here's what we'll do as a church, and we've talked about it, is if you will tithe and you will track it, put it in an envelope so we can track it, tithe for three months. I mean this. Tithe for three months. And if at the end of three months God has not been faithful, we will refund every penny that you gave. Guaranteed. Get that? If, you have not, if you're not a tither and you're just not sure about this, you're not even sure you can afford it. Or should I say this? You can't afford it. When you just look at the numbers. The challenge is, is this. If you'll tithe for three months, and at the end of three months you look back and you say, you know what? God's promise is not accurate. It didn't work. We'll give you all your money back. You can't get it any better than that. And you know what? It's scriptural. God says, test me. So you can test him. See, here's what's funny about laying this challenge out there. Is I know, I know kind of what goes through our heads. Is we're like, well, you know, we just like, well, you know. And yet, so many of us push back on this whole thing. And we're like, well, I couldn't do that. I mean, it could never, you know. Why not? Why not? Why not? Tithing increases my faith in God. Number two. I will intentionally give more and more and more. Look at this verse, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 7. It says, just as you excel in everything. Here's what that means. Just as you grow in your prayer life, just as you grow in how you study Scripture, just as you grow in your relationships with other people, just as you grow in all of the other spiritual disciplines, or should be growing, just as you excel in other things as a Christian, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. Here's what that means. That means for me as a Christian, That as I grow as a Christian, that I ought to be giving more and more and more. And listen, it doesn't mean that we all have to be reverse tithers where we give 90% and keep 10%. That would be great. That's not talking about this extreme thing. That's for people. That is for some people. And maybe it is for you. But you don't have to be that crazy. It just means get better at giving. Be intentional about giving. What if? What if? We would be intentional about giving. What if our first thoughts when we get a raise or we get a bonus or something happens would be, this is great, I got a $2,000 bonus, how can I give this away? Instead of, how can I buy more stuff? And listen, I'm just as guilty as all of you guys are. But I'm wondering, what is Scripture talking about here? That when, when we grow spiritually, that when we mature... Not only do we become more in tune with God, not only do we learn how to pray better, not only do we learn how to forgive better, not only do we learn how to live in relationship better, that we also learn and excel in the grace of giving. See, there's nothing else that you can talk about that gets as much pushback. And you know why? It's because we love our stuff. We love our stuff. We love our pocketbooks. We love our possessions. And it's mine. I worked hard for it. I understand. I completely understand. Here's what we have to understand. Is everything, if we could get a hold of this, if we could just get a hold of this last thing that I want to tell you. A couple things, because I keep thinking of more things. Everything that you have, everything that you own is not yours. It has been given to you to be a steward of until you pass on. Everything that you have is God's. It would be not any different than if if I told one of you, I'm going to be gone for two years, and I want you to live at my house, I want you to drive my vehicles, I want you to use my furniture while I'm gone but the whole time you're staying at my house for a year or two years, you know what? Hopefully would be in the back of your mind and me as an owner would be hoping is in the back of your mind would be thinking, hey, this is great that I can live here, but none of this stuff is mine. And since it's not mine, I'm going to treat it and I'm going to steward it with lots of respect and with always in mind that it's not mine. Same thing is true of everything that you own. It's not yours. Your house isn't yours. Your money in your pocket today is not yours. It's God's. And God is just asking you to be a good steward of it. And that changes everything. Changes everything. Here's the other thing that I want to just argue with you for just a second about the Old Testament thing. Is when we went from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Even the laws. See, so many of us are confused about the law and the law of grace. The law of grace always raised the bar in everything. In the Old Testament, in what, what in the in the in the Ten Commandments, it talks about committing adultery, right? You know what he ta- it says in the New Testament? He says if we look at a woman and lust after her, that we've committed adultery. It raised the bar, and it did this all through all of these things. And so if there was even, even if it was a law in the Old Testament, then it would have raised the bar. Right? The expectation was even greater under the law of grace than it was in the Old Testament just under the law. If the church, if the church, if Christians worldwide, would just start to tithe, would give ten percent instead of two percent. We could completely wipe out world hunger. If it was used correctly, obviously there's gonna, you know, I know what we I know where we go. And here's what I want you to understand from my heart, and I really mean this. Don't tithe because it's a law. Don't give because you're scared if you don't give, then bad things are going to happen. Tithe and give because it's life. Tithe and give because you understand that what you have is not yours. And you want to put God first. And every time you write that check to wherever it might be, every time you write that check, every time you give, what you're saying is you're saying, God, I recognize that everything I have is yours. And I want you to know, God, that you're first. You're first. And I'm telling you, God will be pleased. And I believe with all my heart what Scripture tells us, that when we honor him with the first, whether it's time, whether it's finances, whatever it is, that God blesses us and he will bless you. I've seen it over and over and over and over again. I have never met a tither And they have all said, I've never met a tither that said, this is not working. Every tither I've ever talked to said, I'm blessed. Every non-tither I've ever talked to have always said, I can't afford to tithe. Let's pray.